Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Try to look for opportunities in some markets that are close to the capital cities when sentiment is low. Um, I think you often find that when once everyone has become convinced that something is a bad investment, then that is either the bottom of the market or somewhere close to it. Uh, and a good example might be Brisbane Apartments. This is Property Invest Story, where we talk to successful property investors and uncover their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode of Property Invest Story, we continue the conversation with Pete Wajan, a millionaire by the age of 33. The property analyst will unpack his property investing strategy and show you how to cut through all the negativity while researching to find the best opportunities in today's market. When he first started his property investing journey, a lack of self-belief initially held Wajan back from becoming successful. I've never been fearful of investing and that's always something that's come relatively easily and and the same for my wife, I think because of her uh, farming family background and the understanding of compounding growth. Um, But obviously, I did have limitations on success as as everyone does. Um, I think mine were more related to personal beliefs. Uh, probably listening too much to advice from people who haven't really achieved what I wanted to and certainly worrying too much about what other people think. As anyone who knows me will testify, I've got plenty of uh, plenty of limitations. I'm never, never shy to discuss them either. Um, yeah, I think uh, for, for me, it was, it was largely a self-belief thing. Um, and, and a lack of um, a lack of self-belief can, can also become self-fulfilling. If you, if you don't believe that you're worthy of charging people for your services and for your time and if you don't believe that you you're going to build in a big investment portfolio to some extent that can just become a self-fulfilling prophecy um and also i think if you spend too much time worrying about what other people are perceiving um of you and about what you're doing um you're not focusing enough on uh, achieving the goals that you should be um setting for yourself so, how did he overcome this obstacle to success? You, you really try to build on your successes and, and learn from the mistakes. And um, uh, like everyone, I've made plenty of mistakes. But the, the, I think the real key to success is to see um, mistakes or disappointments as, as learning opportunities rather than as a reason to give up. Because the, the fact is that everyone will have um, good and bad results. Um, but the, So, the real key to success is what how you respond to those disappointments. Attributing Michael Yani as a leader in the Australian property market as a significant inspiration for him, Wajant believes emulating successful people has helped him achieve success himself. 
yeah, the old quote that leaders are readers. I mean, I've read stacks and stacks of books over the years, um, uh, quite obsessively so in the early years. Um, if you're looking um, specifically at Australian property, um, Michael Yardney has always been a tremendous influence on me. Um, I think that success leaves clues. So if you can find somebody who's achieved what you want to achieve, um, then modelling and following their journey and even where you can improving upon their journey uh, is such a powerful technique. Um, so if you can find successful people, observe their demeanour and their habits and just learn and learn and learn, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is really the, the path to success. In learning from Yanni, there have been many wonderful things he has helped him with, such as how to deal with negative responses from others. There will be so many to talk about. I mean, one of the things that Michael has really helped me with is um, the uh, as I've been more exposed to, to media, uh, so negative responses from um, not just random public, but also friends, family, and um, and how people just deal with the, the negative side of public exposure. Um, I mean, Michael has been so good in explaining how um, initially that can feel hurtful um but you know the, the second and third time it happens it's slightly less hurtful and then you just um over time you become more comfortable with your own public persona um but also just not to waste as much time worrying about what other people think uh, but more specifically in terms of um the property market well um i learned a lot in london about the, the dynamics of a more mature city but obviously australia has different um, nuances, different tax rules, different strategies that do and don't work. I mean, those um, th- that kind of advice is priceless, and that's why um, people starting out would be well advised to, to seek some help from industry experts because there's so much to learn. And inevitably, if you try and do everything yourself, you'll make a lot of mistakes. For those starting out in the property market, Wajan gives some valuable advice on where to begin. I think uh, common sense really should dictate. Um, if you if you're going to invest in property, find um, don't look at new fads or new ideas. Um, try and stick to the tried and tested, um, and look at uh, locations that have got a long track record of um, delivering results. Uh, and I mean over several cycles, not not just as a one-off. Um, I think the more speculative approach um, can be fraught with risk, and obviously beginners find it more difficult to deal with uh, difficult outcomes. In addition, the best advice he has ever received is to focus on yourself and your own goals. The best advice I've ever received and probably from more than one source is not to waste too much time worrying about what other people think because it's beyond your control. Um, You'll never get everybody to like you or what you're doing. Um, So instead, um, turn it back yourself and set, set some goals, um, set some fulfilling and exciting goals and concentrate on working towards them and just really concentrate on your own game. A firm believer in the tried and tested buy and hold strategy, Wajant shares the foundations of what he has done to achieve success from using this method of investing. I would call myself um, a macro investor, um, certainly an accumulator. I've never sold a property, so everything I've ever bought, I've still got. Um, I'm a long-term capital city investor. Um, I do do some renovations and, and projects, but the main game is just that I buy and never sell, which um, means that the market does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. 
Um, so to pick the right cities to invest in in the first place, that's that's the macro stuff. And as I mentioned, the, the London and Sydney markets have been very kind to me over the years. Um, but other than that, I also do try to look for opportunities in some markets that are close to the capital cities when sentiment is low. Um, I can give you some examples. It, the, the London commuter belt in some areas, uh, property prices after the financial crisis crashed by a third. Um, so I bought there, even though people were still arguing, oh, it's unaffordable to some people. I mean, there were some some serious opportunities there um, around 2009. Uh, a more Australian-based example, um, in, I bought a place in Geelong West in 2014 when everyone was saying, oh, you know, last, last one to leave Geelong should turn out the lights and Geelong's going to be the new Detroit and so on. And I think Geelong will now have a good run on the back of Melbourne's surging market. Uh, you often find that when once everyone has become convinced that something is a bad investment, then that is either the bottom of the market or somewhere close to it. Uh, and a good example might be Brisbane Apartments. Um, the, the looming oversupply became really obvious a few years ago, uh, so, but now everyone's on board with that. Um, <clears throat> and because of that, some bargains are now starting to appear, in, in, certainly in some markets. Um, so I recently bought a place um, just up the road from where I live in in New Farmer, a renovator with with cracking views in two directions. Um, at the bottom isn't yet in for the Brisbane apartment market, but in places like New Farm, where there's no new supply, it's getting pretty close um, to the bottom for the right properties like townhouses. So there'll be some more opportunities there in 2018, I'm sure. Coming up after the break, we'll continue with Vargen's property investing strategy around renovating. I think to some extent, in if you're buying an apartment, you're, there's a bit of a limit there on what you can do. Um, but um, the, the, the project I'm currently under undertaking, um, which is um, is a is a new build from scratch, so there's obviously more value to, to be added there. The research he focuses on when looking to purchase property certainly. Um, yeah, looking at data, you're looking at um, trying to find areas where there is um, a scarcity of land uh, and high, a high demand for it. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. In terms of renovations, property with the potential to add value is preferred, such as the most recent purchase in New Farm. I try to buy stuff that I can add value to. Um, I think to some extent, in if you're buying an apartment, you're, there's a bit of a limit there on what you can do. Um, but um, the, the project I'm currently under, undertaking, um, which is, um, is, a, is a new build from scratch, so there's obviously more value to, to be added there but but even if you're buying an apartment if you can buy something that's a little bit dated a little bit out of favor um then um the, the one I've, I've recently picked up in new farm it probably needs 
35 grand spending on it but hopefully you would add more value over time um through those renovations and also get the rental price up over time so it's a 1970s block um which i quite like because they're solidly built unlike some of the older ones um but uh, also like the the size you know 100 square meter apartments um are good because the, a lot of the new stuff, <clears throat> a lot of the new stock that's being built in places like uh, Newstead and Fortitude Valley is often, or 80 square meters, or often much less. Um, so something with a decent amount of size, but uh, the value add type of stuff is new kitchen, bathroom, air conditioning in particular in Queensland, um, new carpets. Um, and a repaint those are the type of cosmetic renovations that you can do um and the old rule of thumb used to be well you spend you spend um a dollar and you try to add a dollar fifty or two dollars of value uh, it might be difficult to do in the current market but um certainly over time there's some upside there i think when physically undertaking these renovations wajant prefers to hire tradespeople to add value to his properties for him i think uh, i'm a firm believer in um uh, stick to the knitting and and do what you're good at. Uh, now my talent, if I if I have a talent, my talent is um, is market research, uh, disseminating information, um, uh, diving into the data. Um, I don't think I've got much talent for painting. On this note, when analysing the market and determining which properties to buy for clients, there are many different types of things he needs to consider. I do different types of research. Um, well. The research for, for buyers, agency, clients is much more based around trying to find um, suburbs and property types that have got a long and proven track record of delivering capital growth. Um, and Brisbane's a great example. Um, a lot of people have said that the Brisbane market has underperformed, uh, disappointing results. But take a look at what's happened to house prices in places like New Farm and Tenerife. They've been um, really racing along in, in many cases. Um, and that's where, um, as a, a buyer's agent and a property analyst, you can hopefully add some value um, because what gets quoted in the media is necessarily a, a general average or a median price. And in Brisbane, um, obviously, those results have been dragged down by um, the oversupply of inner city apartments. Um, so certainly, um, yeah, looking at data, you're looking at um, trying to find areas where there is um, a scarcity of land uh, and high, a high demand for it. Um, but some of that is just real common sense, um, but um, drilling into the data can certainly help to some extent. Um, but I, I also do research for um, hedge funds internationally, which is that's a different type of approach because um, most foreign investors of that nature in Australia are more interested in trends in construction, uh, lending standards, the banks, um, and looking looking at the market more for opportunities on the short side. Um, so that that's more in depth, and um, it's it's a different. You're looking at a different set of data for that. So, why the interest in numbers and research? People often ask me, oh, "Where do I where do I find the time to write a blog every day?" Um, and I suppose having been asked that question a lot, it caused me to think about it. And the the answer I came up with is that I think if you if you didn't enjoy um, analyzing information, trying to find the story in the numbers, um, you just literally would not do it. It would so quickly become a chore. 
um, that um, you would stop after one or two blog posts. Um, so I've, I've been writing a daily blog for, for years now. Um, and the answer I came up with is that I simply must enjoy that process of um, so today, for example, um, the ABS released the wage prices figures and I can't wait to get my teeth into those um, and just find out what is the story, where are wages growing, is the, is the Sydney market picking up, um, is Perth still struggling. Uh, I think if you didn't enjoy the process, you just wouldn't do it. In his line of work, Wajant has spoken briefly about encountering negative reviews from others. So, how does he cut through all this and get on with it? It's actually very difficult uh, when, when you stop and think about it to, to write a, a blog uh, because um, you know, if, you, if you write about very simplistic stuff, then your more advanced readers might see no value in it. But then conversely, if you, if you get really bogged down in the, the highly technical information, then you're going to alienate readers too. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer to that. Um, so what I've tried to do is just is, is mainly to focus on what I'm interested in, and hopefully um, some readers uh, find it interesting too. I think you, you can obviously see in my blog analytics that if I write a post that it interests a lot of people, I might have maybe four thousand, five thousand readers, but some of the other stuff um, doesn't get any traction at all. So it's um, yeah, obviously what you, what you write can't appeal to everyone, that's the nature of it. Wajant believes his daily blog in 2011 to 2012 has remained consistent with it ever since. I think 2011-12, uh, I wouldn't have posted much in the early days um, but I, I wrote my first book in 2011 and I, I posted a bit about it back then. Um, I think in the early days it was just, uh, just me and the dog that was reading it. Um, but uh, over time, I've got a nice little um, database of followers built up. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a great process. His first book was called Get a Financial Grip, detailing a comprehensive plan for financial freedom. The idea of that that book was partly to talk about the, the journey that we've discussed um, in our podcast, um, uh, to, to explain where, where I started out and how... I felt people could follow a similar path if they if that's what they wanted to achieve, um, and it was it was well received at the time. It was rated in the the top ten books of uh, or finance books at least in 2012 by uh, by Dimex and Money Magazine, um, and it, it talked about all the different ways in which you might build a portfolio. Uh, but it wasn't just a property book; it was personal finance. It was how to be a value investor in the share market, um, how to be a, a medium-term trader in the share market, um, how to invest in index funds, um, and also how you might build a blue-chip property portfolio. So there was a, a number of different angles to it. Um, and yeah, that came out in June 2012. Um, at the time, um, I, I made some predictions that the, the Sydney market would be a strong outperformer, um, which got some interesting feedback at the time from a number of um, uh, high-profile commentators, shall we say. But uh, yeah, look, it's been a good five years for Sydney property and um, hopefully the the analysis in that book has stood the test of time. Like anything, you you can't be right about about everything. I think um, certainly the UK stock market has done amazingly well, so I was very happy with that. Um, I think the one thing with the power of hindsight that I would probably just tweak um, is that um, the Australian 
share market index has the healthcare sector has done brilliantly as i expected um the banks have done really well resources sector has really struggled since 2012 um and that that really just reflects when i wrote the book i think it, in 2011 there was a general feeling that um that that the mining boom would would just keep on ticking on um and in fact what happened is that around about 2012 um commodity prices finally started to fall um construction started to fall and a lot of um, share price valuations uh, really came back after that point in time. And um, I think uh, rereading the book, um, you look back at, at BHP with a share price of near $50. Well, clearly it, it's nowhere near that today, despite uh, being in a slightly different structure. Many of the principles of his first book still apply in the current market. De- definitely talked about the, the need for um, a portfolio approach to investing. Um, uh, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the one thing is that everybody is an expert in hindsight, um, you know, the, but uh, at, the, at the time in Australia, in, interest rates were a lot higher than they are um, today. Um, and it, everybody has a seamless analysis that goes back to 2008-9 uh, when, when it's being uh, written today and reading the charts from right to left. Um, but the one thing I can say is it uh, certainly at the time, um, around 2008-9 and then again in 2011-12, there were an awful lot of people predicting uh, the end of the world for Australia's economy, Australia's property markets, uh, and it still continues today, even a decade on. Being consistent is a personal habit that Wajant believes has contributed to his ongoing success. One of the things I started doing years ago now is to start just get up at five in the morning um, I, these days I don't drink, I exercise daily um, and I think those, those little things have become uh, cornerstones for me. I think success in life comes from consistency, uh, results come from consistent um, habits. Um, like everyone, I have bad habits too, I drink far too much coffee um, but I think if you find out what you love in life and excel at it consistently then the results will come. As human beings, sometimes we wish that we could turn back time and do things differently. So, if Wajant were to meet his past self from 10 years ago, what would he say? Firstly, don't don't waste time worrying about what other people think. Um, You've got no control over it. But secondly, don't limit yourself because you can achieve anything. Um, Your results are limited only by your own imagination and your own beliefs. So, what is he most excited about today? I've got two kids, as you can uh, probably hear in the background at various points in the podcast. <laughs> so obviously, my kids are—it's um, a hugely exciting time. I've uh, got a, a boy and a girl, um, which are uh, certainly keeping me busy. Um, we've got our um, building project coming up that I mentioned. Um, so it's going to be a big, uh, big project, and we've got four and a half acres of land to uh, work out what to do with in terms of garden. If you wish to connect directly with Wajant, here's how you can do so. Best um, starting place, just go to my blog page. So, uh, that's just my name, Pete Wajant at blogspot.com. Come to my blog page. You've got my uh, my email address is on there. So get in contact directly. I'm always interested to hear um, how people are getting on in their, uh, their investment journey, particularly in property um, and always happy to chat, of course.
Thank you to Pete Wajant, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Pete Wajant and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.